This week, I talk Ghostbusters Afterlife. Don't worry, no spoilers. A Hamilton Armory's drunken ghost. And what the CBC considers to be Canada's top five haunts. I went to see uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife uh, a couple days ago. I'm going to tell you, I just, uh, I was very excited going into this. And after seeing the reviews, I mean, the the critic reviews weren't very high, but the audience score was amazing. And I don't know, I, you know, I, it could be the old uh, remember when factor, which I'm, I enjoy, but I'm not a huge fan of. You know, I like original shows and movies, and I have great memories around them, but um, doing callbacks, I, I find it's powerful, but, you know, it's, I, I would be just as fine if they went a new angle. So with the new Ghostbusters movie, I wasn't sure what to expect when I was going into it. When I was a kid, you know, I was like a absolutely huge fan of the original, uh, so 1984, I believe. Yeah, oh, when the original was released, I wanted to go. I saw it. I loved it. I even got obsessed with the soundtrack, the cassette tape <laughs> soundtrack that went along with it. And the uh, who was it that sang the cover? Uh, Ray Parker Jr., I believe. Yes, I had to have that that cassette, and uh, I was so excited when I got it. So, uh, being a huge fan of the original, I was going into this with that memory of how it was back in the day so if anything I was that 95% audience score where I think a lot of the critics on Rotten Tomatoes is where I saw it a lot of the critics they might have been younger Uh, it's possible that they never saw the original for whatever reason and that they were coming off of that so I think if you come off of the angle where you've never seen the original and you just watch this movie as on its own because there's a lot of callbacks within it. Now, I'm going to give my review here, and I'm not a professional movie reviewer, so this is not something that is normal to me, but I'm going to do my best. I I don't think I can... I've got a list here, and there's no spoilers. I'm going to be very general. So if you haven't seen it, don't worry. I'm not going to destroy anything for you. But overall, I was a fan of the movie. I like Jason Reitman. I like uh, his style. You know, he's a little bit slow at times. That's his style. Uh, Very uh, family-oriented. He creates amazing characters in his movies. And in this case, he's, you know, pulling from his father's uh, movie. If you don't know, Ivan Reitman is the guy who uh, created, directed the original Ghostbusters, and Jason is his son. So it's the son of the original director who is now directing Afterlife, which I think is absolutely wonderful. I think that storyline sells itself. So his style uh, really works well here because this isn't really a movie about ghostbusting like the originals were. Uh, This is really a family story. And the girl, this is the stuff that you can see in the trailers. Uh, the main character is the da- uh, granddaughter of uh, Egon Spangler, who was one of the Ghostbusters, the nerdy one, if for some reason you don't know. And she um, and her family, her brother and her mother, 
move into Egon's farmhouse. And then that's where the story begins. And the girl who plays her is spectacular. I believe she was also in the Conjuring series, Annabelle Come Homes, uh, if I'm not mistaken. She played the daughter of Ed and Lorraine Warren, Judy, and uh, the time that she was left alone in the house. I think that was the same actress, and she's very, very good. She is the highlight of this. You got other more famous actors like the kid from Stranger Things, uh, Finn Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> and uh, Paul Rudd, of course, is in it too. And they're good. They are good, but um, just not really a feature. So you need that strength in that main actress. And I think she did it wonderful. And also another wonderful feature is that the ghost stuff, so we're talking about the special effects, is very much like the original. And that's one of the things that I adored about the originals. I don't know, I was a kid watching it and the special effects was kind of a new thing back then. And it was um, wonderful to see that. They use animatronics as well and they do that in here too. But they also recreated the colorfulness of the spirits. It's ridiculous in a sense. But this movie is not meant to be a documentary. This movie is meant to be uh, something fun to watch. And for that reason, the over-the-top effects and the, the colorfulness of them, uh, I think, was great. And I'm glad that they hopefully this spawns other movies to use that similar uh, retro style. And uh, I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, the small town angle and uh, not really in a big city like the original one, also wonderful. It was different. You had that feeling of what small town life would must be like. And then also the um, connection and history associated with that. And using uh, the Ghostbusters themselves as a piece of that history, I think, was perfect so those reasons alone make this definitely worth going to see but I do have a couple criticisms you know I try and uh, I'm not the type of person who's going to see a movie like this and because I love the original so much I'm just going to automatically love this one that is not fully true and this is my own personal uh, point of view now I don't mind slow burn movies uh, in fact I, I I'm great with them if anything I find them very relaxing um, but this one ran slow at times, and by slow I mean the moments weren't really building the story. If anything, they were just doing callbacks, and with those callbacks, if you already know it, I guess it's fine, but if you don't know it, uh, I don't know. It just uh, I think you would, you would not like this movie more. Most people who go in to see the movie probably know it, but if you don't, I don't know. I just I, I didn't think it, it was needed. They could have just went off of that that claim that, okay, if you are new to Ghostbusters, then this is a standalone movie for you. But if you are not new to Ghostbusters, then you can have the callbacks, but don't make them too detailed and um, or too campy. And uh, that's, that's a criticism for me. And the other side of it is uh, the history. The uh, history that was covered in this was not robust enough and i think what happens here is then the um the villain 
loses some power because of that and also the history of Egon Spangler and his connection to what's going on also loses power. So I think they could have covered the history a bit better, maybe dialed back a bit on the the callbacks and um, created something more, a little more robust, especially with the villain, uh, who I think um, must have an amazing ancient history. And if you thought this thing was uh, extremely powerful, as again, I'm talking from a standalone that you've never seen the original, then I think it would have more, um, the storyline would have more punch. Uh, So that's it. So overall, highly recommend it. Love the movie. Go see it. One day I'm going to make a list of ghost walks that uh, once were, but never are again. I don't don't know. Uh, But, uh, you know, some of the locations that we've covered over the years that we've lost, such as the Custom House, the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, and the Hamilton Armories, it has given me a robust archive of wonderful stories and wonderful history that I can now share with you on these shows. But overall, I would just rather have those walks back because I really, I'd miss them. I miss uh, leading them. I miss being in these places at night and having the chance to have a ghostly experience. You know, some of these more haunted and definitely historic places in the downtown core uh in the north end uh with the custom house i just i just absolutely enjoyed them so for whatever reason it didn't work out i'm um, not going to go into too much detail around that there is possibilities that some of them might come back in the future i don't know so for now i can only reminisce and this podcast is a great ability to reminisce about these old stories And for the next one, I'm going to go to the Hamilton Armories. Now, the Hamilton Armories, if you are not familiar, there's this massive building on James Street North, which has uh, slowly become this tourist location. Uh, The Arts District, they do the art crawl there. Uh, Right across the street from the Mulberry Cafe, if you're familiar. So this massive military building that's been there since the early 1900s, since the 1800s, the North Hall is the older one. Then the South Hall was added in the early 1900s. Amazing building. And I had never been inside of it for many, 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 many years. And I remember there was one time that we actually got in and I had to have a famous guy with me (laughs) to to be able to accomplish accomplish this. Uh, But uh, we were filming segments. It wasn't CH Morning Live. It was um, a Halloween news segment and the uh, famous weatherman, Matt Hayes, uh, he was the guy who was the host of this. So there was this one morning that we just got together to film these segments, uh, and it was Matt Hayes and myself and the cameraman. And we went around to different spots, and we just walked and talked. And it was so much fun. I loved it. And I got a little uh, little uh, preview into the life of uh, a locally famous guy, and you wouldn't believe it. I mean, I think people would recognize him today, even though um, he's not on the weather anymore. Uh, But everybody, he'd just be walking along with me. He's like, oh, Matt Hayes. He'd be yelling from the cars. 
I, I, we were on James Street before we went into the armories, and somebody actually stopped their car, blocking traffic. They opened the window just so that they could say hi to him. I mean, that is, for me, I would I would find it very unfortunate. I would not like it. And I did have time to kind of uh, chat with him uh, during segments. And I actually asked him one time, I said, uh, you know, is this, like, he told me a story about being in a restaurant and people would come up to him in the restaurant, in, interrupt his dinner with his family, and and uh, t- want to talk to him. And I said, "Is this the kind of life that you want?" And he he said he loved it. I don't know if he was just telling me he loved it <laughs> and didn't really love it, but uh, I I sounded like he was being honest about that. And I guess it's a difference. I am not an extrovert in any sense of the word. I am the most introverted person ever. And uh, I would not like that. But he seemed to and I guess if you're an extrovert, and you like having people recognize you and coming up and interacting with you, then I guess you'd be fine with it. So anyway, uh, we're doing these segments. And one of the segments was the armories. Now, originally, I told him I said, Okay, I don't have any in with the building. Uh, we'll probably have to just stand outside or, you know, a, a quiet corner and we can walk and talk about it. And he, he and then when we got there, I told him, I said, yeah, yeah, we're just going to do this segment outside. He's like, oh, no, I don't think we we need to. And we, we the front door was open. We walked inside and we were greeted by one of the the military guys. And I remember there's like it's like a serious look on his face until he looked at Matt and he like recognized him. He's like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're Matt Hayes <laughs> and he's like Matt Hayes is like smiling he's like yeah 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 and, and he like it was almost magic like he knew this was gonna happen because then he told the the soldier he was like oh uh, yeah we're doing this this segment about ghosts in history and I was just wondering if we could come inside uh, you know and just do some of the filming in here and the answer was immediately yes. It was why well, he had to go check with the higher up, but in the end, everybody knew who Matt Hayes was. So it was a yes. So we ended up walking on the uh, parade, the parade ground. Uh, so I, I loved it. I mean, it was amazing to be in the building to see what is uh, not the largest, but the second largest indoor parade ground in any military building in Canada. I think the largest is in uh, Vancouver, if I'm not mistaken. And just the grandness of it all. And I didn't even see the rest of the building. I just saw that part, and then we left. So then later on, uh, there was a connection through a local uh, historian, activist, Leanne Pluthero, uh, well known for uh, assisting the saving of the Hermitage ruins, which were the whole city is grateful to her for that. Uh, through her, she uh, knew somebody who was one of the soldiers and higher up at the armories, and there was an interest in doing events, and the ghost walk came up. Now, a script was written, guides were trained, um, our Jeffrey, uh, Christie, both were trained on this, two famous Hamilton guides, and we did a couple years of the tours and found that it wasn't a good fit. Many reasons why I won't get into them, but it wasn't really a good fit. No, nothing wrong with the stories and the tour. People loved going through the buildings. It just didn't work out. 
But in this case, I had the opportunity to see both halls, uh, see where some of the ghostly things occurred, the more historic parts of the building, even down into the basement, the original junior mess hall down there where we had kind of a little ghost hunting experience within that room. It was just spectacular, just just being able to, to see the building and being a part of that. So we receive these ghost stories. Now we had our own experiences, but some of the more historic ghost stories that came out of the building were just very interesting. And one of the main reasons why is because of the source it's coming from. You're not talking about people who are huge believers in the paranormal. You're not even talking about people who might mistake these things for being paranormal. You're talking about very serious military personnel that are having experiences not just over a few years, but over generations. Now, if you think about it, I say the early 1900s, it doesn't seem like that long, but we're talking 120 years ago. And to have those experiences kind of carry out through time is a very rare thing, especially in a place where anybody talking about this kind of stuff would probably be demeaned and would probably be put down for believing in it, yet it's still held strong. And here is one of those stories that really stood out to me. It's 1908, and an Argyle named Sergeant John Levko was new to the building. He was attending a party one evening. Drunk as a skunk, he wandered out of the Argyle mess and with a couple of other officers by his side. Now, he was standing at the top of the stairs. Now, you need to know this, though, that um, it would be dangerous in general to be so drunk at the top of these stairs. But back in the beginning times of the building, in 1908, when the building was first being constructed, the railings had not been installed yet. So you basically have a stairwell that is almost like a sacrificial pit that if anybody fell in, they would surely die. So being drunk at the edge of that precipice, Levko swaying back and forth, happily talking to his friends, and he slipped. He reached out for a railing that didn't yet exist. The others could only watch in horror as he fell over the side, screaming all the way down to the basement below. Now, if you uh, were to look down into that precipice, like looking down to how far down the basement is, it is a straight drop. And you're talking about not just regular height ceilings, but very high ceilings on every one of those floors. Now, the screams are still heard today, starting not long after the accident itself. Screams considered normal in the armories. As always at night, and possibly at the same time of Levko's death, even though history has not given us the actual time of his death. Now, it's the officers and the sergeants or the Argyle mess hall and even when they're in the parade square, they might hear a distant sound. And it's always a man's voice screaming as if muffled by the walls around it. Now, those who don't know about this occurrence, they will run to go help because it sounds like a person is in trouble. And when they get to the location, which is the stairway, they will always find it empty. And those who know of the screaming when they hear it will just shrug it off as a normal occurrence. Again, I mean, when you think about it and 
the type of people that are reporting stories like this and not just reporting them in general about uh, ghosts of legendary people who may or may not have existed, but reporting about an actual person who was in the military at the time and this is how he died and this is what remains of him. It just... It just gives that level to it. So the Hamilton Armories, uh, beautifully haunted places, great ghost stories. Probably never going to have a ghost walk in it again. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, it's totally cool. Um, but at least these these history and these stories and experiences have come out from it. Okay, and ending off with uh, the top five most haunted Canada locations list. This is done by the CBC. I have no idea when. Oh, no, this is actually on CBC Kids. Oh, very nice, very nice. It's interesting, uh, always interesting when it comes to these top lists because I find that they tend to change a lot and somebody will have a top, even the same source, um, such as CBC, will have multiple top lists and uh, one list will feature these locations, the other one, they don't really know. There's no most haunted places in their minds. No, They haven't physically gone to the place. They've only heard the stories. And for that reason, there's no 100% this is the most haunted location that you could go to. And hands down, you're going to have a paranormal experience. There's no really way to know that. So really, it just comes down to what's being talked about at the time. If something occurred to bring it back to people's memories or it's just, you know, in a way, research laziness and that, you know, they did a search, they found another article, and this is what they copied. So I don't know if that's what is happening here. I do know most of these places that are being featured. And it's interesting. So this is what they would recommend to children as the top most haunted places in Canada. So the first one on the list is the Fairmount Banff Springs Hotel, and this is in Alberta. Now, I'm sure you've heard of it. It's a stunning, stunning building. Um, opened in 1888. It is known for its awesome views of the mountains and Banff National Park. I guess if you're a skier, this is probably the place you'd want to go. Uh, but it's also a good, good place for ghosts. Now, this one I have heard of in the past. And I'm very interested. It's a the um, story of a ghost bride that has been seen uh, walking up and down the main marble staircases. But that's not where it ends. So she is the most famous ghost. Um, not 100% sure where that story comes from. And I'm not going to waste your time looking it up right now. Is this where it's just a general bird's eye view of it? Uh, but there are stories as well from the rooms. And I remember it was... Um, uh, not mentioned here, but that one of the rooms had to be renumbered because of uh, how haunted it was. There was a story behind that that they had to kind of like renumber how it was set up because of the ghosts. But uh, here they they say that the rooms have spirits that you hear noises and uh, that the people in these rooms, oh, that was probably it. So people in the rooms have a hard time getting a good sleep. So I think one of the reasons why they might have renumbered it is so folks weren't trying to focus on those rooms. Uh, now, there's also another ghost uh, known as Sam the Bellman. Uh, he's like a bellboy who would bring the luggage up to the rooms back in the day. I think some of the fancy hotels still have this service. 
Uh, but he loved his job so much that they say he returned uh, mysteriously. He still says yes with their luggage. And I'm like, I, I think if I was a bellhop in my life, I, that's probably the last thing I'd want to come back to. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Sam the Bellman, he definitely does. And uh, yeah, and also, yeah, this is something I want to mention. There was some stamps that were done. This was huge because here is a government thing like a stamp that is showing off uh, ghostly history. And I think that's absolutely amazing. But that the bride was one of the stamps that was done uh, back in 2014. So she's definitely one of the more known ghosts. And then I guess in turn making the uh, hotel one of the most known haunted places. Okay, the next one is uh, Gibraltar Point Lighthouse. This is in Toronto on Toronto Island. Actually, personally, got the walk up this one time. We had a special event, and one of the tour guides who was associated with it, a man named Richard Fines Clinton. I'm not sure if he's doing tours, but if he is, uh, his company's called Muddy York. A uh, great tour guide, knows everything. And he got access to the building for the, one of the events. We got to walk right up to the top. Now, it is the oldest lighthouse on the Great Lakes, not just in Ontario, but on the Great Lakes. And uh, it also has a ghost. Now, this was built in 1908, kept watch over Toronto Islands, which was kind of a weird land formation, so the boats coming in had to be careful. And it is said to be haunted by its first lighthouse keeper. Now, um, the man uh, Radmuller, I think. Please don't quote me on that. But the story behind it that obviously they're not going to put in this <laughs> kid's website is that um, a couple of soldiers who were stationed uh, on the island that they came to him that Rad Mueller was known for his homemade beer and he would give it to soldiers and he didn't have any on that one night so the story is that when they were looking for the beer that it might have been an accident nobody knows but that he fell from the lighthouse and he died and that they buried his body there but nobody knows where his body is buried so because of this tragic death, and I guess there wasn't really any justice that was brought to to him that uh, his ghost now haunts the lighthouse. And, you know, they say they hear uh, moaning noises and that uh, light has been seen from the top of the lighthouse, even though it's been extinguished for years. So there's uh, the creepy things that occur that uh, kids would love to hear. Now, this one I've actually never heard of. It's uh, Craig Derrick Castle in British Columbia. So I'm just going to read this straight. It's a huge mansion built by a coal mining millionaire in the 1890s. Uh, one of Victoria's top tourist attractions. So it's in Victoria. Visitors to the restored castle have reported hearing a mysterious piano playing as they walk through the halls. A woman in white, supposedly the wife of the first owner, has been spotted several times standing and looking out the castle windows. Yeah, if you definitely look this up, it is a beautiful, stunning structure. I didn't even know buildings like this existed. <laughs> I assume it's been used in TV shows, because I know they film a lot in, in BC, so it would definitely be cool for a, a show about some kind of like a Downton Abbey type of rich guy. <laughs> that would That would work out well. Definitely heard of this, a Fort Gary Hotel in, in Winnipeg. 
because Winnipeg itself doesn't usually get on these lists. So when you have something like this that shows up, you know, it's it's great. And at Fort Gary has been quite infamous for its ghost stories. And if you look at the building, I mean, it looks like a haunted place. It's a beautiful old structure. Uh, so Fort Gary is a National Historic Site and a working hotel. It's also been one of the most haunted places in Canada. I think because it's a working hotel, that gives it this kind of validity. Because, uh, I mean, other than um, uh, the Royal York in Toronto, I mean, it's hard-pressed to find these old hotels in Canada that still exist in their old form. And they have the ghost stories to go along with it. So you can go to a haunted place and, and legally stay overnight and do investigations and whatever. Uh, I think that that could add to the popularity of a location. Uh, this one, Fort Gary, was built in 1913. And many guests staying at the hotel over the years, some of them have reported strange things like ghostly figures in the halls, rattling silverware, spooky noises, and a more vague feeling of a presence, in quotes. Uh, it hasn't hurt the hotel's business, though. Some people actually request to stay in the rooms that are most haunted. Very, very true. Uh, the Prince of Wales in Niagara and the Lake is a good example. The infamous room 207, Molly Maguire. I wish they were more specific in this article. I wish it was like they, they tell you more stories about why. But this is like more the, uh, like I said, a bird's eye view. They're just saying, oh, what has happened in the past, but not going into any details. Um but yeah, Winnipeg is very rarely on the list for this. Uh, Winnipeg's not the most historic of places when it comes to these old Victorian structures that are well-known in Toronto, Hamilton, and Niagara for being haunted. So having something like Fort Gary stands out. And the last one, they actually used the stamp. And this one I hadn't heard of until I saw the stamp. And I was like, why would they feature this? I mean, it wasn't really that popular. So I don't know why, but it's the St. Louis or St. Louis ghost train in Saskatchewan. And again, I'm not familiar with this. I'll read it straight. Not all haunted spots are old buildings. In the village of St. Louis, Saskatchewan, an abandoned railway track has been the site of some strange appearances. At night, a single light has been spotted traveling where the tracks used to be. Two high school students did a project on how the light may be a visual effect from a nearby highway. Actually, that's uh, similar to uh, the Port Perry ghost. If you know, uh, up in the Muskokas above Toronto, there's this weird effect that occurs where it looks like there's a light that's traveling down a road on Port Perry. Um, but what it is, not Port Perry. Yeah, yeah, no, poor pay. So what it is is an effect from um, a highway nearby that makes it look like and there was a story behind it that a motorcyclist was riding down and he had an accident. And he had, uh, hit like a barbed wire fence and it took his head clean off. So, you know, legends that probably aren't true are usually the most violent and terrible and that that is the ghost of the motorcycle rider. But they found that it was actually a visual effect. At least that's what they think. Uh, so the girls who uh, tried to prove that this ghost train was a visual effect uh, for their science fair, that they wanted uh, they won an award for it. <laughs> it's a, how quick people are to say, no, that's not a ghost. 
Now prove it's not a ghost. And when they do, here's an award. <laughs> but if you prove it is a ghost, yeah, what kind of award do you get? But still, you know, people you know, don't take the science fair as, <laughs> as science. They they still believe that the light is from a ghostly train that um, that goes along the lost tracks. Uh, so yeah, they they made a postage stamp. It's actually a really nice postage stamp. It's uh, got the train there with the spooky lights, some fog around it, and then you see there's a face uh, over top of it in the clouds. So if you want to look at that, you just look up St. Louis. Uh, ghost train saskatchewan all right that's it everyone thanks for listening i will be back next week i have no idea what i'm going to be talking about i'll be in niagara on saturday i think there's still space for my tour if anybody's interested i'm doing the 7 30 p.m tour that night that is saturday november 27th if you so dare brave the cold Thank you so much, guys, and I'll talk to you next week.